and welcome into another episode of the Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast. I'm Scott Agnes. Today on the podcast, I'll be joined by Kurt Streblow, Pacers MCs in his fifth season throughout Bankers Live Fieldhouse, entertaining the 18,000 fans on hand for Pacer games, even Fever games throughout a season. And he did something special, had a special opportunity this past week, and that was to not only attend All-Star Weekend out in Los Angeles, but to play a role in it, be an MC for several different events across the three-day weekend, including a Rising Stars practice that featured Pacers center Domanis Sabonis. So for the first time, I had one of the Pacers MCs on the podcast, Kurt Streblow, to talk about how he got into it, what more he wants to do, and more specifically, what that weekend was like for him and the rest of some Pacers out at All-Star Weekend in Los Angeles. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to the Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast on Apple Podcast, on Stitcher, on Google Play to listen to both new and archived episodes of the Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast. Let's get on with it. All right, as promised, to bring in Kurt Streblow of the Pacers MC. You see him every single game just about as one of the primary MCs at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. He joins the podcast. Kurt, how are things with you? I'm going great right now, yeah, so just coming off the all-star break, um, obviously we'll get into that, but just, you know, got back from L.A. about a week ago, so honestly just trying to get organized and get everything uh, situated again. <laughs> Kurt, where are you from? Were you born and raised in Indy? I am not. Um, everybody asks me that, are you from here? I pretty yeah. much say that I am now, just I've lived here over 20 years. I went to junior high and high school, and then but I grew up down south, actually. I lived in Birmingham, Alabama for a while, and then Houston, Texas, and then all due to my dad's job, and then we moved up here, and pretty much this is home now. Gotcha. Where did you go to college? I went to college at IU. I started there. I um, actually started in real estate and business, and then after two years, landed a job with Radio Disney um, in Indianapolis, so I transferred to IEPY, and that's where I finished up everything, and then actually switched my major over to communications and then ended up minoring in you sound like a typical college student. Start out in one direction, then kind of figure it out and end up somewhere completely different. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so ultimately, what led you to, to this MC role? And more of it is just an entertainment capacity, whether it's DJing or entertaining crowds. Yeah, um, so pretty much yeah, the college experience did. Landed the job at Radio Disney. I started as just you know doing on-site promotions, just not an intern, but pretty much intern roles where I handed out, you know, Radio Disney was just like stickers and we'd go to different events and things like that and kind of worked my way up. They needed an MC for their on-site events. So that's, I got into that role, started MCing a lot of these events that we would go out and do. Since the station wasn't local, the only thing that we really cut in studio were local advertisements. So everything that we did on site, it was a live event. So that's kind of how I gained a lot of experience doing that and MCing in front of a crowd. And then um, one of our clients at the time was the Indiana Ice, the USHL hockey team. Oh, yeah. And so that came about. I started emceeing there for four or five seasons. One of them overlapped with the Pacers. And then I auditioned for the Pacers. Got cut, I believe, my first year that I did it. And then I kept bugging Dean, who is my boss now, and uh, finally came back, auditioned again, and landed the job. I love it. you got to stay after the great Dean Hevelin, the VP of game operations, for those that don't know. You have to stay after him. I know for a guy that's like he's so connected, but he just doesn't act like he is that much. So he's just he's very so low key so low key, but he he's basically running every single event as far as the pure entertainment that those inside Bankers Life Fieldhouse take in every game or event. Yes, he is. And I found out like I always knew that he did that, but then when I went out to All Star, I got a better idea of actually what he did and how many people he actually directs during a game, and it's unreal. 
He was out there as well. Was was he in your ear out there? As a, he's always in your ear during Pacer home games. Were you two kind of working together, or maybe was it his suggestion or um, tip leading the NBA to hiring you to go out there? It was all Dean. I give all credit to him, and I DJ on the side as well. And he is a big influence as far as just like different events and things that I get. You know, as far as DJing, so I, oh, all credit goes to that man. So. It's like a lot of the major events that I do, he hooks me up with them. So, I mean, thank him so much. Um, but, yeah, so he – I think – I don't know why they necessarily contacted him. He said that they contact every year, but I had never heard anything about it. This is my fifth season with the Pacers. So, I've never heard anything even about emceeing at an All-Star game or anything like that. But I don't know if it had to do something with us landing it in Indianapolis in 2021 that they needed him to go out there to get a feel. Because this was his first All-Star that he ever worked as well. And he's been doing this for – I don't want to, I mean, 15, 20 years, something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been doing it for a while. So um, they and then he put my name in the hat. And then, like, I had a couple different things, emails and stuff like that, to where I had to, like, it wasn't an audition or anything, but I had to, like, send pictures in and videos of me doing MC work, whether it would be at the Pacers or DJing or, you know, all that stuff. Okay, that's what I was and, wondering, uh, if you just had somebody film video of you on the video board or had, like, Chris Patton down in the video room cut you highlights of you emceeing yeah. during a Pacer Fever game and or something. That's exactly right. So he did that. Um, Flip, who is what we call him, Flip oh, yeah. Gary Rice, yep. he does a lot of that. So I always reach out to him trying to get videos. And I had a demo that I had put together just because of, you know, trying to land other jobs. And, I mean, I always have stuff in my back pocket just trying to, you know, stay relevant with all my footage. You have to in this footage. business. Right. And I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely <laughs> finding that out. I've been doing, you know, radio and all that stuff for so long. But still, it's like you just got to stay on top of things. Um, but yeah, so outside of that, like, yeah, he eventually got me to go. He kept telling them, you know, everything that they needed to hear about me. And then we landed it. So we ended up, me and him flew out there on Tuesday, February 13th. And I was out there till Monday, February 19th with him. Did you have a highlight of the trip? Um, I would say just interviews. I would say like, not necessarily like meeting the players and things like that, but just overcoming the fear of interviews. I think that was the biggest thing with me is like, I've always done them, and I've done, you know, a lot of just odds and ends interviews, but to really, like, and I can get into it a little bit further, once you know, down the road here, but, like, we did the all-star practice, and, like, it was always about engaging with the fans, and while they're practicing, it can be a little dull here and there, so we would have to pull players, and it was just, you know, you had to ask them three or four questions on the spot, and it was just, like, after doing them so much, I got a really good feel, and I feel like I got better, mm-hmm. so I feel like, to me, that's a highlight, just becoming better, a better host, a better interviewer, and you know, that type of thing. And that's unfamiliar territory because the Pacers don't have you, you and other MCs interviewing players, whether it's uh, before a game, really post-game after a win, you could see, as some different sites do. I know Boston, for example, they have their MCs go courtside, and much like the local TV reporters interviewing J.J., for the TV broadcast, they'd have the local MC to bring it back local inside the building. So that is new territory. Yes, it is. And the only real experience that I had with it was I interviewed Monte Ellis a couple years ago, like a post-game thing for like the Boy Scouts, and then uh, one other player years ago. But then the Indiana Fever will do, if we do, if we, because I MC for them as well in summer, if they win at home, then we'll grab like one of the top players of that particular game. And, and I'll that's do, something like, an new, interview. isn't it? Um, yeah. Like the I last mean, two just, years? Yeah, it is. Yes, the last two years. Yep. 
Yeah, so that's different. I, I like that. It's an engagement level, and it adds something, I think, to those that bought tickets and are in the stands versus necessarily those those at home as well. So I can see where that becomes a big challenge for you, especially at All-Star Weekend when it's not necessarily players maybe you're familiar with or the most familiar with, especially being the Rising Stars, which I, I, I don't mind that game. There's no real defense, but it's cool to see some of the young guys. But what I laugh at is these are truly Rising Stars, so I think they should have been wearing their home jersey so you yes. can associate them with, oh, right. that's John Collins actually, of the Hawks. Yeah, and I was just going to mention that, too. Is like That was probably the hardest game because I had their I did all the practices over at the Los Angeles Convention Center. So since it was my rookie year in the All-Star, a lot of the other MCs they had polled, from around the NBA had been on like their fifth or sixth season. So a couple of those guys and girls got the Staples Center, like the Saturday night events and then the actual game. So I did all of the practices at the mm-hmm. Los Angeles Convention Center. And that was the Rising Stars practice, like you just said, was one of the hardest things because it's like I really studied up on the players. <laughs> and, you know, obviously I know, you know, DeMontis, the bonus from our team from the world. And, you know, I could relate to certain things like that. But there were some players it's like, you know, almost had to step behind him and say, like, well, what was your last name? And then kind of put everything together. So, yeah, that was that was hard. What type of other events were you involved at throughout All-Star Weekend, whether it's specific NBA events or maybe events on the side, if any? Um, so the four events that I actually did, like I said, I was at the convention center. I did the starting on, I kind of made some notes here, starting on Friday um, the 16th, I did the NBA Rising Stars practice. And then the Saturday uh, in the morning I did Special Olympics, the Unified game, which that was great. And then I did the all-star practice Saturday night. And then Sunday we did the G League International Challenge, which was Team Mexico versus Team USA. And then they also incorporated a dunk contest into that. Which Daquan Jones of the Fort Wayne Mad Ants won. Yep. And I got to actually do a small interview with him in the middle of it. And then when he got done, I got to do an interview with him too. So that was cool to have somebody out there from Indy and representing the Fort Wayne Mad Ants as well as the Indiana Pacers. So yeah, that was real neat. It's kind of crazy all the various connections guys that were out there. Of course, Victor Oladipo was out there having his weekend. You had Damanis Sabonis, Daquan Jones of the Mad Ants. You, right. And I know DJ Bandcamp was out there, Dean Hevelin, among many others, plus those support staffs for Vic and Sabonis. Right. Yep. And that's uh, – I know Bandcamp, speaking of him, he did a lot of stuff outside of the convention centers and – the Staples Center. So I think they, from what I saw from like his social media, he was on site. They were building playgrounds and things like that. So he definitely got his hands dirty outside of the actual game. So that was cool to see just the different events because there was a lot going on all over the place. And just for me, I mean, I was in practices and rehearsals nonstop, and then we did our live event. So it was like the only downtime that I got to go and experience any other event. Or I got to go over to Staples Center to see the Saturday night. You did? I okay. Only, I was wondering yeah. about that. I got to go over there, but I missed the skills challenge and yeah, you didn't half miss anything of the three-point contest, and then I got to go to the game on Sunday. So Not too bad. That seems like a sweet gig overall. When it comes down to that whole experience, how did emceeing those events, especially though in unfamiliar territory, compare to just your, your normal Pacer game that you've become used to doing? Um, I would say that I'm so routine of just like the Pacer game. It's like not always the same you know, it's not sketched out always the exact same, but majority of the stuff I've done before have a good idea. I mean, there's so many cams that you can do, dance cam and this and that <laughs> intro, though, so I get very familiar Let's with play trivia. Those. Let's do key bang. Let's right. make a deal. Yeah. Yes, ex- exactly. And normally at a Pacer game, we're not, we don't have the players that we're using for those particular games. It's always about the fans. So when I was out, 
you know, doing all the all-star stuff, we used a lot of the players. Like, I know we did a mashups game and a name that tune game, and I used Draymond Green from the Warriors, Bradley Beal, Kyle Lowry. So those three guys were with me when I did that. And then during the Rising Stars game, we did the Lakers versus Celtics. So I had um, Kyle Kuzma and Brandon Ingram from the Lakers. And then from Boston, we had Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on that side. And we did, like, a Never Have I Ever game so we really got to incorporate the players so the fans could kind of see you know what their life is outside of basketball we asked them just a lot of just random questions and things like that so I would say that was definitely different than a normal Pacers game and then again going back to the whole interviews that's you know, way out of my element compared to like an everyday, you know, Pacers game here at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. I know you've done stuff, Big Ten tournament, maybe even the women's final four. Will you be doing any of that? Yeah, actually, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this week, I'll be downtown MC for the Big Ten, the women's. So that'll be, I mean, anything I can get my hands on, I'm definitely all aboard, you know, anything at Bankers Life Fieldhouse, any basketball, any sports, I love it. It seems like those of you in the MC community, I think Alaire Overton, yourself, uh, and others, once you start getting in with it, then you have all kinds of events at your disposal. And Lucas Oil Stadium might hit you up, and the Indiana Sports Court for maybe some entertainment stuff on Georgia Street. Is that what it's like? Yes, it is. And, I mean, speaking of Lara, she's definitely helped me out over the years. Because when I first started, she was one of the main MCs that I worked with. So the Big Ten, I know she helped you know get them in contact with me. So it's definitely, it's like... You know who you know, and then once you get in, you're you're pretty much in as long as you're doing a pretty good job. Now, as it relates to that All Star game again, were you stepping back and trying to judge it a little bit based on all right, Indy's getting this in a few years. I don't like this. Oh, this is really cool. Did you do anything like that while you're out there outside of traffic, uh, which I gotta believe will not be anything close to what it'll be. Right. <laughs> yeah, much better. not as much as you would think just because it was my first time so I was trying to take everything in but I was also trying to do a good job because I would love to come back <laughs> so it was just big you know, I was really yeah. trying to focus on what I was doing and the task at hand that I had to do um but yeah I didn't really I mean there weren't it wasn't anything they've done it so much and the NBA's put it on so many times it wasn't anything to like hey yeah I would change this or no you know let's switch this around type of thing how important is social media in your line of business it's becoming a lot more important now, um, just to, like, again, to stay relevant, to stay out there. And uh, while I was out there, I met a lot of, like I said, other MCs that I worked with from all over the NBA and got a, little, a lot of good advice because right now on Instagram, I only have 730 followers and all these people that are that I'm working with out there of like 36,000. And I'm just like, <laughs> that yeah. to me, it just blows my mind. Like, how do you, you know, I'm out in the community. I've been out in the community so much, but maybe it's because, I'm just here in Indianapolis, and now I need to start branching out more, and that definitely helped. Like I gained a lot of followers while I was out there, and it's social media is crucial. Yeah, I do like your video that you reposted on Instagram with Sir Foster from Atlanta. Their yeah. DJ, who's just incredible, playing the keyboard while mixing it down. He's one of the most talented guys, entertainment guys, I think, in the league. Yeah, he is. He definitely was crazy. Like just on the organ that he brought out, and he would he would play different hip hop tracks, and he yep. would play over the top of them with the organ and then i know during it might have been the special olympics the unified game he would play while the players were out there just to have some background noise but he would go to different beats and it's like he could play anything off the top of his head you ask him to do it he'll do it right on the spot you've been as you said with the pacers for your fifth season now when did at what point maybe two three years in i would suspect did you start finally feeling comfortable and in a groove with what you were doing each night I would say, yeah, two or three years. And now the, the challenge to me is to try to not make it the same every night. It's so I, I feel comfortable now, but it's like I'm really trying to challenge myself to switch things up, to not read off of things, to 
to make it different each night because like we were talking about the cams and you know the dance cam and this and that it's like it could be the same stuff and i have to remember too like not always are the fans the same fans that are at each game but that's I feel one like of the things I'm, yeah that's one of yeah. the most important things for yourself dean and the entertainment group even the concessions people is like for so many people in the crowd this might be their first and only impression right. of the year right and i've ran into that a lot a lot of the kids too so it's like you know even though i feel like i'm saying a lot of the same stuff it's it, the fans, they rotate in now. I mean, you have your season ticket holders that have been there for, you know, years and years and years, but there's a lot of new people that come to games, which surprised me, you know, once I start walking around and talking to a lot of them. Do you get a lot of that because you have the earpiece in, because they see you on the video board, that when you're moving from section to section, people want to stop and talk or, or meet yeah. you or say something? I do. Yeah, I do. I get that a lot. And the hard part, too, is with the earpiece in, if Dean is talking to me and they're trying to have a conversation with me, it's trying to, like, Okay, hang on real quick because I've got to listen to him because that's the first, you know, first and foremost I'm working. But then, you know, to try to not feel like you're ignoring them. So, yeah, and I get that a lot too. Like if I'll go out after a game, like I get, if I try not to be out in my pace or stuff. But if it's the same night as a game, like, you know, you'll get the people that come up and stuff like that. But I love it. I love the fans. Like, I mean, that's a lot of the reason why I do it, especially the kids, just in the families. And one thing that interests me, you mentioned gear, was that out at All-Star Week and you were decked out in Pacers gear. I thought for sure the NBA would want to try to own it and have you in specific L.A. All-Star gear. Was that your decision? Did they suggest that? Um, that was, well, they sent so many emails about that. And it was just branding was a, the main thing. Nike, it has to be Nike. Okay. It has to be Nike. Um, because we used to be Adidas here and then now it's, you know, it's switched over to Nike. But, I mean, they had, we had so many... Um, wardrobe checks when I first got there. I think Tuesday and Wednesday, I had to go down to a particular floor of the hotel, bring all of my stuff. They had to check it out to make sure it was branded, to make sure it was the right stuff. But I believe we're it, yeah. representing the NBA while we were out there, but we were also representing our home team, so where we work. So that's why they had me bring the Indiana Pacers stuff. They mentioned you know make, mixing and matching it with all-star gear. That never really happened. They gave me a pair of Nike Air Force Ones that I wore um, some of the time. So those were like an all-star thing that they did. And then also a watch so that we had to wear while we were doing the live events. So that was really the only two all-star things, but they still were the same colors as the Pacers and the teams that we were representing. So it was really all about the Pacers, so which was cool. Yeah, it added some branding for a team that doesn't necessarily get a lot of spotlight. And then on top of that, I think it's cool if you're bouncing around different events, maybe at Rising Stars you see you in Pacers gear, and then maybe the next morning see MC from Minnesota wearing Timberwolves gear, and so you can kind of associate that with them. Yeah, it was definitely, that's exactly how it was. I mean, I was there for the Indiana Pacers, and then... Um, Corey Yarkin, who was from Orlando Magic, was with me. So she had all of her Magic stuff on. And then Ahmad Crump from the Cleveland Cavaliers was out there. So that was us three over there. And then they had the Philadelphia 76ers MC, Toronto Raptors, Clippers. I mean, they, they were all over at Staples Center. So there was quite a few of us from different teams in the NBA. But that's how you could tell who we were was by the mm-hmm. gear that we had on. Yeah, that's interesting that they brought in so many from the outside, I would think, especially being in Los Angeles, right? Like how many MCs or actors or entertainment personalities you would think they'd have enough. But I, I think this is a nice local touch, and it's a little bit rewarding for every one of you. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. That was the biggest thing to me is when I found out. I was like, man, you know, I mean, going to Los Angeles for my first one was definitely rewarding. I loved every 
all the work, everything, I would do it again in a heartbeat. I loved every bit, bit of it, honestly. It probably helped that it was you know raining here and snowy, and you're over yeah. there in Los Angeles, although you're probably actually inside most of the time, but knowing what we were going through here back home. Yeah, I know. I was talking to my fiance while I was out there a lot, and she was telling me how cold it was or what the <laughs> weather was like here, and she's like, you've got to be enjoying it. And it was 75, but honestly, I was in practice as a rehearsal. The only three places that I really saw were my hotel room, the convention center, and then here and there I'd be in a shuttle back and forth. So I went outside like one or two times, but really didn't get to enjoy like L.A. and you know Hollywood and all that stuff to be outside and enjoy the weather with it. What's next for you along your path? What what more would you want to do? I after doing the whole interview things just stick with me. It's like I would love to take, you know, not maybe take, but to be in JJ's position and do the re- sideline reporting for the huh, team okay. or and then also, I mean, the whole game operations which is our area that the MCs and, you know, the interns and everything is in and Dean. I've that really stuck with me as well just to see how he moved through everything and we worked with other directors too so we had the director from the miami heat out there the clippers and the milwaukee bucks so it was cool to see how each director did it different and to me it's like being in this field not only am i an MC, but i also watch how you know we do the t-shirt tosses and how dean talks to different people so that really stuck with me so i could see myself maybe doing that if i'm not hosting or emceeing anymore after working with other game directors, game operations personnel. Did you realize like how crazy it is when you have that chemistry like you and Dean have where yeah. he can probably anticipate what you're going to say or why you did something, whereas you probably didn't have that with, say, that Miami guy? Right, and that's, that's exactly right as well. Um, the biggest thing with him is just being in my ear, and he knows when to talk, when not to talk to me, and he knows he, the countdowns that he gives. Like, when we're about to go live, he counts me down five, four, three, two, one, and then we go. A lot of those other guys will just go. So it was, I like, I love the way that Dean does it, just because I'm so used to it, but just to, to get me ready, you know, and give me a five-second countdown, that way I know that I'm about to go live instead of just saying go to me is definitely, I mean, I can start processing my thoughts that way you know and I, I get ready to to actually start talking yeah no it's something special about that familiarity and, and chemistry that both as it relates to players on the court or maybe yourself off of it so that's pretty cool yeah absolutely all right kurt well i appreciate you joining the podcast where can people find you we talked about social media where do you want to send people i would say instagram facebook twitter instagram would be the big one that i'm really trying to grow a lot of followers on so it just my handle is kurt streblo so my first, K-U-R-T-S-T-R-E-B-L-O-W. Well, I guess one more thing. Do you have caffeine or Red Bull or anything before a game? Because you have to bring the energy. Without your energy, there's nothing from the crowd. Do you need anything before you right. go? Right. Um, no, I don't. <laughs> I actually stopped drinking caffeine and all that stuff during games just because when I would drink Coke or Mountain Dew or anything like that, it would sit in my throat. And it's harder for me to talk with all that stuff in there, so I just stick to water, honestly. (laughs) Oh, I believe that. And the carbonation, too, if you're going with pop. Yeah. The carbonation will come up while you're probably talking or interviewing someone, which would not be good. (laughs) It'd make my voice crack a lot of the time, yeah. (laughs) Kurt, thanks so much for joining the podcast. Really appreciate it. And we'll see you at Pacer Games in a couple weeks while the team's gone for a four-game road trip right now. No problem. Thank you so much.